Welcome to The Deeper Dive. This is a ministry of Bethel Church, where we go deeper into some aspect of the previous week's message. Speaking of deeper, we have Matthew Hassler with us today. Matthew, good to see you, bud. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Speaking of deeper, I don't know how that connects to Matthew Hassler. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It wasn't my sense of humor. That's As you will see, Matthew, Matthew is a deep man. So, Matthew, hey, for those people who are listening who may not know who you are, what, do you, what is your ministry here at Bethel. Yeah, so I'm our adult discipleship director. Uh, so kind of three big slices of pie there would be small groups, rooted, which those kind of just go together, and then men's ministry. Okay, good. And then of course we have the uh, we have the wonderful Brooks August here with us, and uh, actually no Adam today. We're Adamless. We're Adamless. Adam will be setting this one out because uh, uh, he was he's he's not preaching this week. So, yeah. all right, well, good to see you guys. Hey, what did you guys think about the? Uh, the messages from last week. What did you think about the text? This whole uh, Acts eight thing. It was it was a good message. Uh, I, there's a lot of importance to like recapping the entire like story arc of the Bible, and sometimes we get so locked down into individual texts, like we forget to like kind of connect all those dots. And so I think that's important to help people see that it's just like, the grand story, and then it intersects with ours. Um, and it's cool that you think that we we think we were doing that, but really, like Stephen was doing that <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, we had, that was kind of what we zeroed in on last week, wasn't it, mm-hmm. Brooks? Kind of looking at that, how you know we we do need to see ourselves connected to the bigger story, right? To the bigger narrative, fit ourselves into that. So, okay, before we even look at uh, a little bit of what we're looking at today, I do have a question for you guys. So, as you think back over your years of following Christ and stuff, what would you say? In your life, what was or your ministry? What was the time that you feel like, man? This is the maybe the biggest like outpouring of the Spirit, the biggest movement of God. Mm-hmm. As I look back, surely there's been a lot of movements of God, but if you look back, was there a time where it's like, man, this dude, this is a big one? Are you saying personally, personally, or I mean, or you know, or that you were pardon me, think personally? No, or? no, I think personally. Yeah, okay. not historically, personally. Matthew, do you have, do you have something? Uh, a, cu- a couple can jump jump into my mind. The first one I think of is when I was in college, and I uh, was part of what was called Campus Crusade, called Crew now. Uh, and the true mark of the Spirit is God changing people's lives. There wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't about miracles. It wasn't some of these things that we, we we even see in the Book of Acts. But like just very consistently, we saw these stories of transformation uh, happening in the lives of mm. college men and women around us. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've ever felt like a community like that. Um, there was something really special about that moment. And, and we like we felt it. Like we knew like, hey, God's doing something here. Mm. Um, and then even years years later, you know, went away, seminary, associate pastor. I was coming back to Pueblo where I went to college. And uh, the, what the, the current director of crew, she wasn't even there when all of that happened. She was like, "Oh yeah, you were from those days." <laughs> like, oh, it still okay. had like some historical remembrance of like yeah. I was doing some really cool things just in in people's hearts. So even for crew, that was a very powerful time. That was a significant time that people remembered. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and passed on apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, that wow, that is really cool. By the way, what's the what's the college in Pueblo? Uh, so it's Colorado State University Dash Pueblo. Okay. So there's the CSU of Fort Collins, and then there's got it. Then there's the really, better one. Yeah. 
Pueblo is, is really that's the place to be, right? When you come Oh, to no the, doubt. Probably Colorado probably State. one yeah. of the most underrated cities in America. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't go there. <laughs> Brooks, what about you? As you look back on personally, what is yeah, one I'll, of the most I, I Matthew, I really like your answer because people's lives changing. We've talked about this on the deeper dive. You can go back and look at episode 34. I don't know. I just made that up. Um, but <laughs> you could, we've talked about, yeah, what, what the Holy spirit, how the Holy spirit enacts in our lives now and the miracles that happen, which is really death to life transformation. So I like that. As you say there, it's like so much happening in, in people's lives that has to be the Holy spirit. Um, that's very cool. Mine is, a little bit different. I've told this story a little bit before. I alluded to it a little bit before on uh, the Deeper Dive podcast, but um, yeah, I was I was in a service that um, I can only describe as a very charismatic outpouring of the Spirit, um, uh, where I had some really intense pain in my mouth because of um, some some dental issues and. It was affecting how I smiled, how I ate, how I talked. And um, yeah, this guy laid his hands on me and uh, prayed that the pain would go away and it went away. Uh, and then I was overcome with like uncontrollable laughter. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing to look back on now as like a mid thirties guy that's, that's uh, trying to be pretty composed. And it's like, man, I, I want to, exp- I honestly want to explain that away with sleep deprivation or whatever it is. Like I'm at camp or all these different things or, uh, and it wasn't what I what I remember it being, but it, it, if I sit and, and think about it, it was I was overcome with laughter and I could not stop laughing for a period of time. And mm-hmm. the only thing I could contribute that to is the Holy Spirit was coming on me, um, and and uh, in the middle of a worship service. And so that's kind of it's it's an, it's a different thing, especially uh, maybe a little bit in our in our tribe too. Um, we don't tend if you've come to Bethel services, we're not overly charismatic. Um, but I can't deny what happened to me, and I can't deny that there's pain in my mouth that went away. It was mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah. That's okay. Awesome. So we have one. You know, one of you guys, Matthew, you shared about just transformed lives from sharing the gospel. I assume. Yeah. Right, and starting to follow Christ, and then another one, uh, a healing, a healing. Right. That's yeah. Brooks. That was you. That's uh, so. I mean, we see we see the same thing, and throughout the Book of Acts. So, I mean, do you guys believe that the Holy Spirit? Does continues to do exactly today what he did back then? It's a big question, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, so just for me personally, uh, yeah, I, I don't see in the scripture anything that indicates why the spirits, you know, giftings, and things like that would just cease. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would also, if the flip side of that is, of course, we see also that we can't demand it. And they were even having problems with that in the early church, people trying to demand specific spiritual gifts. So you can't control the Spirit, um, which is a big part of Acts, and the Holy Spirit just kind of does whatever it's going to do. Uh, so we can't control that, but he can still do any ministry. There's no reason to put God, like, in a box. Uh, in, you just got to be careful about making sure, like, is this from God? Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Edwards, you know, during the Great Awakening, he wrote, the, uh, you know, several things. Like, here's what you need to look for to determine if this is a movement of God, things like are, is there that heart change? Is Christ being glorified? Mm-hmm. It's not all about the miracles and those sort of things. Like there's other things we can look at and say okay, that's the Holy Spirit because like Christ is being magnified. Man, I I like that answer. Um, I would I I agree with it. I I don't see anything in Scripture 
that would see say that uh, or suggest that that the miracles have stopped for today. Um, we can see anecdotally that they're not happening in the same way, shape, and form or frequency that they happened in the Book of Acts, right? So there's obviously something that's different that we don't see people walking around healing people by their handkerchiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or their shadows, yeah, or their shadows, like we read in in, in Acts earlier. Um, but, so there's obviously something a little bit different there, but I, but I also don't think I don't see that. Uh, it's I don't I think we need to say that yeah God can still work and however God wants to work um, if God is all powerful if God can do like like we said Matthew you can't put him in a box um, I, I've heard uh, someone describe it this way that that uh, we're we're getting further away from the the Book of Acts getting the Acts of the Apostles the beginning church this outpouring of the Spirit after the resurrection um, after Pentecost. Uh, that we're getting further away from that in both locale and in time. So if if this was an epicenter of kind of this outpouring of the spirit, it makes sense that we're on the edge edge of the ripples, the edge of the ripple effects. So it kind of makes sense that it would be less frequent. Um, but I still think God works in however God wants to work, um, including miraculous healings. Well, and here would be just, you know, I mean, obviously, a couple parts of that too is like obviously with Acts, because it was such a new and radical message, there is something that we see in Acts about these miracles authenticate that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, there, so there was a, a reason for that. Uh, I would also add, hey, you know, the Bible, four thousand plus years of history, and it's probably recording all you know these big movements of this. But you think about like so that's one place mm-hmm. over you know four thousand. That's actually not that much. Right. Uh, and, and so throughout history, it shouldn't like surprise us that there's periods of time where like we just don't see all of these miracles happening. That seems that would seem to make sense. But we do see these outpourings of the spirit, like we mentioned the Great Awakening, right? Usually when there's these big revivals, there usually is something to the spirit of what he's doing in that mm-hmm. instance. So it's not totally gone or like just because we're removed from it. Like God can do that yeah. and and chooses to at various points. I would say too, if you look at the book of Acts, like what you're Kind of a, to your point, Matthew, that whenever there is a miraculous occurrence in the Book of Acts, a healing or something, it is almost always, if not always, I can't, I can't say this for certain, but I think it, it is certainly almost always followed up with a proclamation of the gospel, and, and it's it's like an authentication of these words, and it's a it's a tool that the Holy Spirit is using to draw people in. Where I think we should be mindful is if there are quote, spiritual workers or miracle workers today that are performing some sort of miraculous works, but then not attributing it to, not directly attributing it to the Lord, not giving glory to Jesus and not following it up with the true heart change that needs to happen with the rece- with the receiving of the gospel. Um, the miracles that happen in Acts were paired with the proclamation of the gospel. So I think that those, something to be aware of as, as believers today. So the church typically, unfortunately, has been, I mean, not only is the church quite often, or with some frequency, you know, it's like the epicenter of where the Spirit of God works in a powerful way. You know what? Actually, the church, a lot of times, I, I, I don't know the frequency, right? But the church is also the epicenter of scams and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what do you call it? People who, who are, they can take advantage of us. So... Why? Well, first of all, do you guys buy that? 
I, I mean, I've read some articles where a lot of the financial scams that come out in the United States originate in churches. Yeah. And part of it is because we're people of faith, we have a community, we want to we wanna believe people. You know, if somebody says they've got a message from the Lord, quite often we're like, okay, man, I, I believe this guy, and we follow that. Um, how is it then, it's, it's like in the book of James, it says, you know, from the same mouth should not come both, you know, blessing and cursing. And how about from the same church can come both powerful movements of the spirit and also powerful works that are yeah. false. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the reality is we're still in a broken world with broken people and, and it shouldn't be terribly surprising that sin exists in the church or, you know, problems will exist in the church and certainly the enemy is also going to do what he can to disrupt it. So if he can, <laughs> to take advantage of what is already what is good and try to twist that for evil, then he will do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that might be that we're we're not always heeding the words of, of John when he says, "Test the spirits." Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to just take everything at face value. You know, someone said, "Oh, I got a message from the Lord." It's like, okay, well, let's go and ask him together. Right? If we have the same spirit, like yeah. we can look for confirmations. We can be we can be more patient about it, and and we can test the spirits and see is this of God or if it's not. What what all's involved in in that testing of the spirit, right? What 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 all do we do? You've hit a couple. I loved what you shared about Jonathan Edwards. How else do we test the spirits? I mean, for me, a part of it would just be you pray about it. You ask if if someone is saying, "Hey, this is from God. I've got this from God." Like I, I have confidence to say, "Listen, I know I have the Holy Spirit in me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look for confirmation." And I don't mind, especially if this is you know something that's serious, and I think we got to really examine. Let's bring other people into it. Mm-hmm. Let's ask what they think, and then of course everything needs to be compared to Scripture. I mean, that's mm-hmm. ultimately the mm-hmm. uh, where we go for truth and, and for testing of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Scripture for first and foremost. Uh, we have re- uh, we have received Scripture as truth. So if if you're hearing someone say something. Hey, Matthew comes in, he says, I heard from God and that you're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Well, okay, I'm going to look in scripture for that. Um, and if it is against anything that's in scripture, I, I, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is not true. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I think there's, yeah, I, scripture provides our like most broad guardrails for, for testing the spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you can go down a little bit lower there to prayer and discernment and things, but Gosh, if we're not using scripture to to test what people are saying, what preachers, if you're if you're going to go in that sense, Dawson, of mm-hmm. man, frauds or scams, hey, test the test the spirits by scripture, or, or test the preachers, or test those people who are speaking by by scripture. Know your mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. Now, where, where it gets fuzzier though is when they're telling you it's something. It's not necessarily antithetical to scripture, right? right? They're like, uh, I, I had a friend who actually had this girl say like she had this vision from God they were going to get married, right? Um, it didn't. It didn't work out that way, <laughs> and, and he did. And he did test the spirit. But you can't go to scripture and yeah, say, right. "Well, I'm not supposed to marry someone in this specific circumstance." That's where it gets a little bit trickier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think anybody. But if someone, if someone is saying, "God told me," <laughs> I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm too tight on this, but 99 percent of the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna rule that person out. If they say, "Hey, God told me this," but hey, wait, I see this in Scripture that God is saying that's something different. Like I can see in Scripture, and that's why at Bethel, right, we try to we preach from Scripture so that Matthew, when you stand up in front of the church here, 
you're not saying this is what I've, I've heard from the Lord. You're saying this is what scripture is saying. Yeah. Right. So I, for me, that's the difference is if someone says God told me, um, yeah, you know, I, I went to a small Christian university and there's many heartbreaking stories of, of boys telling girls that God told me that we're supposed to date and girls telling boys, God told me that we're not. So, you know, it's a, one of those things that, what, what does scripture say? Uh-huh. <laughs> and someone's saying, God told me, ah, that's a tough one for me. to. Of course, in the Old Testament, you know, one of the tests for a prophet was whether or not it came true or not. Mm-hmm. And of course, if it did not come out, then you're supposed to like stone the guy, right? We don't, we, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that today. But I mean, that would probably eliminate some of these, <laughs> these false, false type prophets and stuff. So, okay. So our world is filled with, um, you know, seeming powerful movements. And we have to, you guys have already said it, we have to test the spirits. We have to figure out, is this right or not? Uh, even in this chapter that, that we, uh, we preached on last week, you have this, you have this moment where uh, this certain group of people uh, did not receive the Holy Spirit when they believed, right? And then you had Peter and who was it? Was it Peter and John? Yeah. Uh, came and they they laid hands on these people and and they did receive the Spirit. Do you guys like Matthew? Do you see that as a sort of a legitimizing of the work, or how do you how do how do you view that that sort of odd circumstance? Yeah, I think one of the reasons it jumps out, though, is just because it, it is odd, right? Mm-hmm. It's not what we would expect for just the, the normative thing. And one of the things that's kind of interesting about Acts is, like, the Spirit seems very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes it's before baptism, sometimes it's after, sometimes it's immediately, sometimes it's laying on hands. Like, it comes in these different times. And I wonder if part of the message is just, you can't put the Spirit in a box, right? And even with, with the passage from this last week and what we saw with Simon— he, he thinks he can buy it. <laughs> He's going to offer him money. And like that's just so egregiously offensive to Peter. He just tells him, man, mm-hmm. you're going down with your money yeah, because you can't buy and you cannot control the spirit. I do think there's an authentication piece to that. Um, I'm not sure if that's the only piece to it. Mm-hmm. As, as a part of it is like you, you just the spirit's going to do what it will. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Peter and John, when they get down there, they lay hands, they ask. Mm-hmm. They don't say, spirit, we authenticate this movement you may now feel them. They said, man, let's go lay down and see if God's doing this because he is the one who is in control. Yeah, remember C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia talking about Christ, the, you know, the, the lion Aslan, right? And he says, one of the, one of the uh, characters in there, I can't remember what it is, maybe it's the beaver, but he says, you know, it's not as if he were a tame lion, yeah, yeah. right? You can't, it goes back to what you're saying, Matthew, you can't control him, yep. right? So put him in a box, say, oh, well, if I... Do these certain things, and he's going to act. Have to ask, act in a certain way. Yeah. If we to go to your point, Matthew, if we look at the whole book of Acts, there's not one word that's used for this, like for someone receiving the Spirit. So, Mrs. Uh, even in this text, right, they had they had not re- um, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had yeah, not yet fallen on them. Other places in the book of Acts, it says filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So there's or baptized. It's like so. Okay, there's different words, different languages, and it's almost like hey, you can't nail this this spirit down in some sense. Um, we know what the spirit does. We know that it empowers. We know that it it allows us to believe that. Uh, but you can't. It's almost like there's no you, there's no formula for it. It's not X Y Z. So one of the formulas that certain Christians have come up with here is that the whole kind of the sanctification process is kind of a two part thing, right? So you believe, and then later on you need a second, you know, movement of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a two part, 
two-part deal, right? That would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I take it you guys don't you guys don't buy that. The baptism of the Spirit being a second work of the Spirit. Yeah, I I, I don't. I mean, I, I get the there's there's a little bit more to that thought process. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's not all bad, right? When you, when we say okay, let's keep praying, let's looking for the Spirit. Um, it, it's just a little bit heavy handed to make it so prescriptive of like it's going to happen as a normative Christian experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when certainly, like, hopefully, we we always have encountered the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to be doing different things, you know, in, in our lives. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean every time it's going to come in exactly two phases. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we just kind of put God back in the box and said. This is how it's going to go for you once you do these things. Yeah, Brooks, doesn't the tradition you sort of come out of more ascribe just kind of this two-part deal? Or is that not right? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I come out of that tradition, but yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, Matthew, or uh, <laughs> Brooks is like, don't, don't put, put me in that box. <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. No, the, um, I, I went to a, a Bible school that, yeah, that prescribed to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I... Yeah, sat under a lot of professors that taught that actually taught that, um, and one of them was looking at the Book of Acts and looking at this passage that that we preached last week. Of look, these people didn't receive the Holy Spirit until until someone came and laid hands on them and asked for it. But that doesn't, in my mind, that just doesn't jive with the rest of the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find <laughs> you have to find the most biblically centric view with the with the least problems, right? Because there's always not always, there's oftentimes problems with our theological standpoints because of scripture, because scripture is so big. There's a lot in a lot of different times you can look at an instance in scripture. So you have to find what is the most biblically accurate with the least amount of problems. uh, And for me, the least amount of problems, I, I, I I think having a two part, um, which, what do you call the two part salvation or two part? Yeah. Kind of a filling of the spirit, two part filling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that raises more problems okay. according to scripture. I think the the least problematic view in scripture is that there is a one filling of scripture or one filling of the spirit. Now, okay. the other thing you got to ask too, and I've said this before, but I think it's just helpful, especially when you're reading narrative. Because a lot of these uh, problems happen when it's a story. And, and you always got to ask, is this prescriptive or descriptive? Right? So in the text, is mm-hmm. it prescribing? This is exactly mm-hmm. what it's supposed to happen. Or is it describing what happened? Yeah. And then you, you got to look at it and you got to carefully decide that in the text. Now, in this text, it does seem that the extra reason is there's the Samaritan. There's a delay in the Spirit so that the apostles can come down and see the Holy Spirit descend upon them. It's going to happen again in Acts chapter 10 for Peter and the Gentiles, except it's instant. It's not so, a second filling. It right. just, boom, it comes. Yeah. But then they can see, oh, yeah, no, God's including everyone. Yeah, which is, I mean, for us, we're just like, well, what's a big deal? Samaritans, Samaritans, whatever. But for them, this is huge. This is the gospel moving beyond the Jews, moving out to these, you know, these half breeds or whatever, and then it's going to move on out to the uttermost parts of the world. So, <coughs> sorry about that. <clears throat> One final question: If you guys could ask the Lord for a powerful movement of the Spirit of God in our church, what kind of movement would you ask for? <coughs> uh, for me, I would just go back to what I described earlier: just God moving in the hearts of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we need <laughs> miracles or uh, any special gifting like that, or it's not even about numbers. I mean, God, do it in whatever way you see fit. But like, what my heart longs for is to see a movement where lives are being transformed 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where we are involved in sharing the gospel, we're seeing God work in somebody's heart. Yes, that means re- reaching the 3630, that's a part of it, but also it happens mm-hmm. in-house. Where, man, like the Holy Spirit called me to repent and break his stronghold, right? Like that's, that's a transformation piece. I want to see the Spirit moving in our people yeah. like that. I don't, I don't know how I could say anything different. <laughs> yeah, after that. yeah, I can't really, uh, can't really say anything other than that. <laughs> That's why I went first. <laughs> yeah, ditto. I said. Well, I think it's great because you know, for as man, for as much as we study, for as much as we preach, for as much as we teach, for as much as we spend time with people, man, we know that we cannot reach down into people's hearts and change them. Right? We can't even do it with our own kids. Right? How, how how do we expect we're going to be able to do this with other people? We man, we need the work of the Holy Spirit just as much today as they did back then. We need we need Him to work right to bless what we do, to use what we do. And I think you know with these guys trying to figure some stuff out, us being willing to venture into a little bit of the unknown is like we've we one of the themes that's come out of our the last twenty minutes is that you can't control the Spirit of God. He is the Lord. He is God. He's a third person of the Trinity. He's going to do what he does. And man, I just be cool for him to just really, man, we, we follow him in such a way that he feels like he can just do a powerful work, right? In us and through us. Amen. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much. Hey, you can, um, you know, our church is Bethel Church in uh, Richland, Washington. We're also in, we have a branch in, or a campus in Pasco. And then one out Don't of Prosser. Don't forget about Prosser. Come on. Yes, man. we're coming up. We always mention Prosser Third, which we should not. Let's just start off with, we got one in Prosser, Pasco, and Richland. We need like an alphabetical system, maybe. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> anyway, you can uh, get onto our website. It's Bethel.ch. And you can also, I mean, we do the deeper dives every week. Gentlemen, thank you for, thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.